Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. When we look at this passage of 1 Peter chapter 4, we see a great example of this stewardship that we are talking about this morning and what it means for you and me today. But to better understand it, we need to understand how we serve. Some of you are like, well, I do that all the time. I got that down path. But not all of us do. And some of us, maybe we think we do, and there's more components to it. So once we understand how we serve, then we can better manage what God has given us and therefore understand the key to blessing that lies within. So I've got three points that I want to share with you. The first two are going to be faster. The third one we're going to spend a little bit more time on. That's just the way that I felt led to go. So here we go. Number one, the first way that we serve is to serve others. We read that as we look at that passage we just went through in 1 Peter 4. It says in verse 10, Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. And in this example, good stewardship means using your gift to serve others. We are all gifted, and God has given us such an amazing opportunity to serve the people around us. But then the writer continues in verse 11 and They list different ways that you could serve. It says, whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies. We were all created differently, and we were all given different abilities, and I'm thankful for that because it's a beautiful thing. Some of us are better at encouragement. While others maybe possess the gift of teaching, some singing, while others hospitality, for example. All are needed along with all the other gifts. And it's very rare that you find one person that has so many different gifts at one time. But no matter what you've been given, it's important to use these gifts to help those around you. And when we all bring our gifts to the table, we create a beautiful masterpiece. And we're able to do the work of the church that God called us as the church to do, to build the kingdom of God, serving one another with those gifts. Amen? The second way that we serve is that we are to serve God. Y'all are like, wow, we're getting out of here in 15 minutes. Put your brakes on. <laughs> Okay, we serve others and then we serve God. And I could have spent a long time, but that's a whole message on itself. But when we talk about serving God, one of the best examples we find is the parable of the talents found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. We find a lesson on serving God in this passage. And in the parable, each servant, as some of you may know the story, they're given so many um, talents or, or gold based on their ability, and the servants are to use the talent. Um, And and so what we see is they come back, and the servants who use their talent to produce more, they're they're praised. He says, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's words we all long to hear one day, right? But then the one who didn't do anything, they buried their talent. They didn't use their gift that they were given is criticized, and the message is clear to us that we should not waste the talents that are given to us by the master, that it's important that we utilize what he has given us. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. All that matters is that you use it, and again, this looks different for different people, but if you've been given a certain skill, then there's probably an area that skill can be used, 
In fact, I would argue that there is definitely a place your skill can be used here in our church. A phrase that I have heard a lot since I've been here, and maybe it's because I write it a lot when I do some postings, but it's just been in my spirit, is that there's a place for everyone here. And I've had some that may argue with me on that and say, no, there ain't, no, there ain't. I'm a prayer warrior, but they won't let me pray in the altars. Nobody's stopping anybody from praying. But then I would ask a question, are you coming to the prayer meetings and getting involved there on Tuesday nights and praying if God has given you a gift of being a prayer warrior? There's some people that, that maybe they, they say, I'm, I'm called to be a, a teacher. But I would ask the question, if you're not teaching, are you plugging into a class right now and growing in your relationship with others that you're surrounding with so that you can be recognized with your giftings and God can move you into a position where you can do the teaching? And one of my favorites is dear to me, and I've heard this one, is some people say, well, I got the gift of singing, but Pastor Joel won't give me a mic. Are you in the choir ministry? Ooh, ooh. And it goes on and on and on and on. And I'm not trying just to step on toes, but just trying to be real and trying to lay out some, some things because we, we, we have these gifts and we want to be used, but we have to be careful because it can't be about promoting myself. It can't be about spotlight. It's got to be about serving God. And when we serve God, it's one of the ways that we unlock the keys of blessing that he has for us. We have a phrase that we use with the team and I ended up, I found a poster that was given to me, just worked out. But what is your why? Why are we doing this? And the poster says, remember your why. And our why, one of those whys has to be for the purpose of him, for serving God. Am I giving of myself so that I can serve him and then therefore build the kingdom of God and do the work that Christ has called us to do? If we will humble ourselves and seek his face, plug into a place, into a ministry where we can serve alongside other Christians, our faith begins to grow and our relationships with one another begin to, to grow. We begin to have these inevitable bonds that are going to happen amongst our, our, our people, our believers. And God will begin to use our giftings more than we could ever imagine. And then number three, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on number three. Number one, remember, was serving others, serving God. And number three is serving with your income and resources. Ooh. How is that connected to serving? As believers, we are called to have one master because we can't love both God and money. And this doesn't mean that money can't be a useful tool. There are lots of people who could use help, and many times that help comes in the form of food, water, even shelter, all of which are items that can be bought. This year alone, our church has done several of these things. Here a couple weeks ago, we took up an offering to help build roofs for the churches in Nicaragua before the season of rain came upon them so they wouldn't have to have church in muddy floors. We also recently took up an offering to help build a hospital in Israel. This church has been known over the years for supporting and doing all kinds of projects and doing those very things, utilizing their resources. I am product of that because this church stood by while my wife and I and our family was on the mission field serving, doing what God called us to do, pouring into lives of future leaders of the world. And this church stood by our side, pouring into us. It was a way that you served by using the resources and your income that God had blessed you with and had given to you. And God uses these different gifts to bless those that come in contact, to bless those other people 
that the projects, that, can you imagine having a roof over the church, what that could do? We are so excited just to have air conditioner working some Sundays here in the summer. And they're going to church and don't even have a roof. But we can serve them and thank God for your heart of serving and how you serve other people. But there is a practice when we talk about stewardship that's a key component of unlocking the blessings God has for his people. And so I want us to take a look at a passage of scripture that is one of probably the most abused and misunderstood passages that talks about this practice. And that practice is tithing. And this passage is Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. And we're going to take a moment and we're going to read through that. And I'm going to explain later to you why I've chosen this. I'm not up here begging for money. I'm not up here to manipulate you. I'm not up here to guilt you. I'm simply being obedient and bringing forth the word that I couldn't get out of my spirit that I felt God pushing me for because we need to have an understanding of why we truly give. And we do a great job of doing a little, like our, our teaching moments and, and how we connect it with worship and it's all those things. But do we really understand the key of blessing and how it's connected when we serve with our income and with our resources? And that's what we're going to focus on these next moments. So I'm going to read through this passage and then we're going to unpack this. So this is Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 15. It says, will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you in your tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the, the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflow blessing. An overflowing blessing, it says. I will rebuke the locust for you so that it will not destroy the produce of your soul. And your vine in the field shall not be barren, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will count you happy, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. You have spoken harsh words against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What do we profit by keeping his command or by going about as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Now we count the arrogant happy. Evildoers not only prosper, but when they put God to the test, they escape. One of the most important practices that we can put into place for our personal life is this practice of biblical tithing. We believe in that as a church that has been shared many times from this place. But I want you to understand what it really means. The word tithe, when we look at the word tithe, it means tenth. And the instruction we find in God's word is that the first 10% of the increase that comes into your hands belongs to God. According to Leviticus 27 verse 30, the tithe is holy to the Lord. It's connected to him. And it is set apart unlike any other income. As Brother Eric said, it's not used to buy the pastor a car or none of those kind of things. It's consecrated to God and it's set apart unlike any other thing. And that means that using the tithe for yourself or for any purpose other than giving it to the Lord is desecrating it and profaning it. According to Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, the purpose of the tithe is to remind you to reverence the Lord and to put him first. That means that when you use the tithe or on something else, you're putting whatever that is first place in your life instead of God. You're putting it ahead of God. 
Tithing in the Bible isn't a suggestion. It's not an option. It is commanded by God. And that means when you withhold the tithe or when you spend it in some other fashion, ultimately you are walking in disobedience according to the scriptures. When we look at 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, giving to God is to be established before anything else, before Bread on the table before fuel in the automobile before funding recreational activities. The Bible establishes the tithe as the minimum level of giving, and it's the beginning point of our giving. And the giving of the tithe isn't so much about the requirement and the law as it is about the blessing and the promise. We have to understand the history of it. We have to understand the laws in place so we can get to where God is is connecting it for us with the serving aspect. So hold on. Don't fall out on me yet. I know that there are several here probably that would object and say that when we talk about this practice of tithing, that that's simply Old Testament. It's not New Testament, so therefore it doesn't apply to us. It's not a requirement. And I'm not going to argue with you about whether or not it's a requirement, but I do ask you to consider one thing. Why is it that we are willing to accept the fact that other Old Testament commandments are carried to greater extent in the New Testament, but we aren't willing to extend the idea to include the tithe as well? What do I mean? What am I talking about? In the Old Testament, we are called to love our neighbor. In the New Testament, we're to even love our enemy. It's extended. In the Old Testament, we are told don't murder. In the New Testament, we're told don't even hate. That's a hard one. In the Old Testament, it says give a tithe. And in the New Testament, it says plead the privilege of giving. And most of the time, When we hear people talk about the concept of tithing, it's done from such a negative perspective. And what we fail to recognize is the incredible blessing and reward that God offers to you and I when you simply return some of his property to him. And I've lost count of how many sermons, how many devotions I've heard over my lifespan. I can only imagine what maybe you have heard in your own life of this exact passage of chapter 3 from the book of Malachi. And most of them make me angry because it's abused and it's not in the context of how God intended what was happening in that passage. And the reason they make me angry is because most of the sermons um, from this passage talk about God being angry. And it talks about he's angry with the people because they're robbing him of his money. That's how a lot of people put this particular passage. They make God out to be some kind of vindictive cosmic deity who's getting ready to rain down curses on the people because they won't pay their dues. But that's not the God we serve. That's not what that passage is saying to us. It's not the message of Malachi. The prophet Malachi prophesied to the people of God during And just after the time when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, when Malachi finished his prophetic messages, there was 400 years when there was no word from the Lord given to the people of God. 400 years with nothing, just silence for 400 years. Malachi's message consists of eight different statements where God takes issue with a particular practice or a particular attitude. And each time Malachi brings the accusation from the Lord, the people respond with a question of rebuttal. So every time the people would question, they would say, what do you mean? The prophet says the Lord has a controversy with you. And then the people would answer, what are you talking about? Surely you don't mean us. We're too perfect. Sometimes we hear that even today when God is speaking to us. We don't want to hear the truth sometimes of what he is saying to us. 
Maybe they even went on and said, surely you're talking to the, the pagans and the heathens. You're not talking to us. Surely you don't mean us, God. You're not talking to me. And that was their rebuttal that they would have every time the prophet had a word from God and, and brought an accusation to them. So when the prophet speaks, he reveals how the people are doing religious things, but their heart remains far from the Lord. On the outside, they looked like the people of God, and they had their, their hands doing one thing, and their lips are saying one thing, but their heart was removed from him. The true relationship was missing, and they have the form, but not the power. The prophet's message is simple when we read this passage, and it is a call to return to the Lord. In chapter 1, we're not going to read that, but if you look at Malachi chapter 1, he's talking about the returning to true worship. And then in chapter 2, he talks about the priest and the ministers and how they are to return to true service. And in every chapter, the message of Malachi is about people returning with all their heart to a covenant relationship with the Lord. The path back to God is trust. And here in chapter 3, he lets them know that tithing is about trusting God. I'm going to say that again. Tithing is about trusting God. And the reason God is upset with his people in Malachi chapter 3, it isn't because he's broke and that he needs them to pay so he won't go on welfare. He doesn't need them to, 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 to do that for those reasons. He's, he's not accusing them of robbing them necessarily because they're withholding just to keep heaven operating in the positive. But when they don't give, they are demonstrating their lack of trust in him. And thereby they are robbing him of the opportunity to bless them with the abundance he wants them to have. They have this misguided thought that they could somehow provide for themselves better than God could provide for them. So when we read this, we see that God is upset with them because their holding of the tithe is a demonstration that they don't really trust him to fulfill his covenant promise and to take care of them. He isn't angry with them. He's disappointed because they don't trust him. And holding onto the tithe and offering it isn't about robbing God of his money. I want you to understand that. That's not what it's saying. It's about robbing him of the opportunity to bless you. Because that's what he wants to do through that. It's one of the keys to blessing. When we look at verses 8 and 9, the Lord accuses the people of robbing him by withholding the tithe. And then he says that as a result, they are cursed with a curse. And I used to read that, and uh, I would get this mental picture. I'm a visual person, hence why we're going to have a visual illustration in a moment. But I, I imagine that um, when I would hear this growing up, that there's this big, giant black cauldron. Y'all know what a cauldron is? Like one of them big old black pots. And that it's sitting over this roasting fire, and it's got some kind of slimy substance in it that's just boiling in the kettle. And, and God's just standing there with a giant wooden spoon, and he's just stirring, and he's just looking for somebody who's hanging on to that tie so that he can ladle some of his vile brew into their lives. That's not what he's doing. But we paint this image that that's what he's doing when we don't do that, and it's not that. He just wants us to trust him. The curse that is coming isn't something God is placing on the people in this passage. Instead, the reason they are cursed is because when they stop giving, they abandon the covenant of trust and remove themselves out from under the umbrella of divine protection and blessing from God. 
Now they're subject to the natural world, but they are forced to live by their own ingenuity instead of by divine favor is what we find. So if we could ever grasp this concept, it would revolutionize our giving. That giving isn't about money, it's about trust. It's about placing yourself into the hand of the Lord. It's about surrendering everything to God. And when you trust him like that, his care and compassion and commitment to his covenant kicks into overdrive. Tithing is the only area where God challenges us to put him to the test. Every other place in the Bible, we are warned not to test God, but in the area of tithes, God says to test him. We've heard Pastor Dennis use that passage several times. He dares you to tithe, and his promise is that you put him to the test. If you put him to the test in this area of tithing, that he's going to do two things. First, he'll abundantly bless you. Secondly, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. It's actually still part of the first one. Got ahead of myself. That's what he wants to do. There won't be enough space to contain all of his blessing. He wants to bless you. That's a promise. The second one actually is that he promises to rebuke the devourer so that your harvest won't be harmed. He says, if you're going to trust me like that, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. When you give, I'll protect your seed. I'll rebuke the devourer so that he can't destroy your fruit or your vine. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that is so large you won't be able to contain it and you're gonna have to live in overflow. I don't know about you, but I wanna live in overflow. I'm okay with that. He says, return to the covenant. Trust me with your given. Put me to the test. And he goes on and says, I'll rebuke the devourer from your fruit. I'll rebuke the devourer from your family. I'll rebuke the devourer from your business. I'll rebuke the devourer from your dreams, from your connections, from your creativity, and from your destiny. That is his promise to us if we will test him. He says, you'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed when you rise up. You'll be blessed when you sit down. Just about the time you finish with one blessing, another blessing will pile on top of you and you won't have enough places to park all the blessings that are coming your way. Hey, that's the God we serve. And it breaks his heart when he is restrained from blessing his children because of our lack of trust in him. The God we serve takes delight in prospering his people. The favor and the blessing is just waiting to be poured out in abundance on those who trust him. And the only thing restraining the outpouring of divine blessing is when we demonstrate our lack of trust by holding on to those resources instead of placing them in his hand, just like the loaves and the fish, to be blessed, to be broken, and to be multiplied back more than sufficient for the need. I don't know about you, but the God I serve is more than enough. And I hope that's the God you serve. He is more than enough. And he's just asking us to trust him. So often I hear people say things like, I can't afford to tithe, or the one I really like is I'll tithe when I have more money. I've been guilty of using that one myself, just being real with you. The truth is that if you don't tithe on the small amounts, you'll never tithe when you have more. 
I was taught all my life by my parents. My parents are here with me today. If you're wondering who these people are, if you've never met them before, mom and dad, glad y'all are with me this morning. But I've watched their lives all my life and I have heard my dad, I can't, if I had a nickel for every time he's talked about tithing, I would have millions of dollars. He has grounded into me and talked all the time, both of them, about the goodness of God and being faithful in your tithe, that you've got to always give your tithe. And, and I've not only heard it, but I've seen it in their own lives. I've seen God provide time and time and time again. I've heard them talk about, oh my gosh, we got this going on. And then I've seen God provide. And he talks about how, yes, things are going to come, but God is faithful and he's still there and he's on the throne and he takes care of us. That's the blessing of God and his abundance. It doesn't stop the natural things from coming, but the provision is there because of our trust in him with our tithe. And I've seen both sides to it. When I was in college, I just got hired on at this church. I was a little part-time music minister and going to college. I barely made anything and I'm just trying to survive through college eating ramen noodles almost every night to make it. Me and my roommate would go and we would try to buy the groceries and split the bills. And I don't know why we did that because it was mostly our ramen noodles. There wasn't much more happening because that's all we could afford. And I remember going and paying my bills, buying my food, sometimes doing the recreational things. And then I would try to find the tithe and I would try to give it to God. And what I found is that I was in survival mode. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I never had enough. I had new bills popping in. And I didn't know how I was going to cover them and couldn't cover them and found myself getting more and more and more negative. And so I said, something's got to change. And so what I did is I flipped it and I began to hear what I had learned all my life from mom and dad. I, I began to put into practice what the word of God says. And I said, okay, I got to give God first what belongs to him because this ain't working. And so when I flipped it and I began to take whatever the, the little amount that I got, I would take that and I would first give God his 10%. I found that I never was without. I, I found that I never went negative anymore. I found that no matter the circumstance or the emergency, there was money sitting there coming out of nowhere and providing it because he's faithful and he's good and he's just. I saw this on the mission field even more so serving in Germany, we were, we were faithful still in our tithing because that was something that was just grounded within me. And so we made sure to give God what belonged to him, even with our donations. And, and we don't get into our, our finances a lot and share a lot of that stuff, but we were in a mess situation where we got taxed here and then we got taxed on the same amount in Germany. So we were losing lots of monies. And then when you started doing the conversion rate, I think one year, $6,000 just disappeared because of the difference between the dollar and the euro. So we are like, God, you know, we, we got to trust you. We, we got to pay our tithes because we see all that happen and we see what it looks like on paper, but we know the God of more than enough. And so I, I remember, um, I could tell you story after story, but one example that I just want to share with you really quickly was when we found out Gabriella needed hearing aids. Within 24 hours, we had found out that Gabriella had, um, she was born with one kidney and it was just larger than your normal kidney. We freaked out a little bit because you want your kid, of course, to, to have everything normal. It's not the end of the world. She can survive. People have survived all their life with one kidney. It's okay. And we're fine with that. And we trust God. He's fine. It's, it's all good. But within 24 hours, we also found out she has this hearing impairment. And they said she was moderate, severe hearing loss. And she was going to need hearing aids. She was going to have to go to the, the school for the deaf and blind. We was going to have to possibly learn sign language and get her to read lips. All these different things they said. 
And so we had to purchase hearing aids and the hearing aids cost out of pocket $2,500. Well, when you're living on a budget and you're getting taxed by two different countries and you're losing the conversion rate, you really ain't got an extra $2,500. If you got a great job and you're getting taxed by one country, you normally ain't got $2,500 just sitting there waiting to go spend on something. And so we just said, okay, God, we, we're gonna be faithful and we're gonna tithe and we're gonna trust you as we have been doing and know that you will provide. And within, within some hours of finding that out, I, if I remember correctly, Rihanna got a call from someone and they said, hey, um, I wanna put $1,000 into your account for you. We're like, praise God, there's a thousand of it. You're good. And so um, something said, go check the mail. And I'm like, okay. So I went down and I checked the mailbox. And if you don't know anything about the mail, it takes three weeks to get mail over there. And there was a check from All Seasons Worship Center sitting there for $1,500 in my mailbox. God had already started providing three weeks before I knew it. I'm telling you, he is the God of more than enough. And I could tell you story after story, but we have to be careful. We too often try to claim the money as our own and we forget that everything belongs to the Lord. It's his in the first place anyway. He's just asking for a little bit of his property back. We somehow think that it's by our own ability that we have earned the resources that we come to. We forget that Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says, it is the Lord who gives you the ability to make wealth. I don't know where we ever got the idea that God was trying to harm us by asking for this, this tithe. I don't know why we would not wanna follow his plan. And I explained earlier, I'm a visual learner. So I wanna illustrate this for you. And I wanna utilize and help you understand the culture of the Old Testament when they gave this, what that looked like. And that culture with the idea where it was first introduced, it was an agricultural society that took place at that time. When God said, if you'll tithe, I'll rebuke the devourer, they understood what that meant. It meant that I'll see to it that your crops don't fail. It meant that I'll see to it that the insects don't destroy your crop. It meant that I'll see to it that there is an abundant harvest for you. So here we are, and we have got a harvest. We've got zucchini. Y'all don't leave and get hungry, okay? We got zucchini. We got some peppers. We got some Brussels sprouts, bananas, oranges, red potatoes, regular potatoes, pears, tomatoes, lemons, kiwi, onions, garlic, carrots. We got quite a harvest here. Some of you are like, hmm, my garden looks better. <laughs> God has blessed us with this harvest. And we have to remember that he asked just for his part, just the first fruits. He only asked for a tithe. He asked for a tenth. And so I've got two tables here. I've got my table. And I got God's table. I'm going to attempt to do this and walk behind to illustrate this for you because I think it's important that we properly really understand this. So God has blessed me with zucchini. I've had a harvest in. I can even hold it all. So I'm going to come over here and I'm going to give God what he asked for. He says, I want my 10%. And then I want you to look God does. I get one, two, three, four, five, six, 
I get nine zucchinis. Wow, that's amazing. And then I've had some lemons that have come in. So I'm going to give God his. He only asked for a tenth, so there's a tenth. And then look at what I get to keep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I get nine. And the list continues. We're going to keep going here. I got bananas here. So I've got a harvest of bananas that's come in. his I'm going to set this right here and if we just turn the volume up it's going to be a lot easier can y'all hear me still can y'all hear me turn my volume up if you would so I got God getting his one part and then I come over here and I get to go to my table So I'm going to give God his 10% here. And then he says, all right, I just want the 10%. You can have the rest. I want to bless you. And so I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let's keep going. I've had some nice red apples to come in. And so God says, hey, give me my 10%, and the rest is yours. It belongs to you. I just want my part. And so I come here. Seven, eight, nine. We have to keep going to get the full illustration and understand. We got some potatoes. How many likes potatoes? Some of y'all are gonna go have mashed potatoes after this and some KFC. God says, give me my one thing. Give me my 10%. So there's his one out of 10. Here comes my part. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then he comes on and we got some pears. And God says, hey, you just got to give me my 10%. Give me back what belongs to me and the rest is yours. And so then we come over here and we've got our part. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And what we find is we keep going and going and going. And what happens is that our blessings begin to overflow with what God has blessed us with when we give him his part. It begins to overflow. You see, look at that. We're not even done yet. We got tomatoes. We got to give God his tomato. Here comes our tomatoes. Some cute baby tomatoes. We got peppers. So we give God his pepper with our nine peppers. I'm get on the table. Look at this. We ain't even finished. We're already falling off of the table. God says, hey, give me my 10%. It's important. God says, give my 10%. Here, this is for you.
really put anything on there. Look what we still have. We have carrots. God says, give me my tent. The rest is for you. And we just see an overflow. We see an overflow begin to happen. He just keeps blessing us. Look at this. I want you to look at God's table, and I want you to look at my table and what God does. Look at the comparison and how he just keeps blessing, how he keeps ensuring that I have sufficient resources. He keeps supplying all my needs according to his riches and glory. Aren't you thankful that we serve the God of more than enough? When we give to God first by serving with our income and resources, when we give to God first by serving others with our gifts, don't forget we talked about that, and when we give to God first by serving Him, it is then that we discover the key to blessing in our life. And my goodness, that's just one example of the blessings. Imagine the blessings we could pull out talking about serving others and serving God and what he does through that. Hear my heart this morning. As I shared earlier, this is not something where Pastor Dennis says, hey, I need you to preach on this. He had nothing to do with this. In fact, I shared with him, I said, I don't want to preach on this, but this is what God keeps saying. He goes, well, by all means, do it. And I kept arguing. I know you're not supposed to, but I mean, in, in a nice way, I was like, when God told me, I talked with him just like I'm talking with you. And I said, God, please take this cup. Don't make me preach this. Please, anything. Like, give me a happy message, God. This ain't an amen shouting message. And he just kept saying, giving and serving, giving and serving, giving and serving. And I told God, I'm like, please, not, not a message on this. People are gonna think I'm begging for money. They're gonna think I'm trying to, to guilt them. But he just kept saying the same, so I had to be obedient. Hear, hear my heart. I, my heart is, is pure this morning as I present this to you. I'm not, our altar call is not gonna be an offering plate being passed, I promise you. It's not the goal of this message. The goal is for us to understand that God wants to bless us and that when we serve, we unlock the blessings of God. When we serve others, when we serve God, and then when we serve with our income and our resources, he is going to pour out more than we could ever imagine just as we read. Here at Starkville Church of God, we have amazing volunteers every week that are serving, and we're thankful for them. We have amazing ministries that are taking place in our church. We have amazing Bible studies. I heard someone say the other day, I said, my goodness, we have something almost every month and every week now. It's crazy. We have to get our calendars out, and we, we have so many things. You heard the announcements today. My goodness, how many things are coming up. We have lots going on, and that's a great thing. It's a sign of a church that is healthy, a church that is growing, having to go to two services so that we can make room for some of the growth. That's exciting things. We are in a significant season, as Pastor Dennis shared last week. But my question this morning to you is that are you just gonna be a bystander and just watch? Or are you going to unlock the key of blessing in your own life through serving and giving? Not just this morning, but on a regular basis. And if you wanna serve, there are opportunities. I'm not just gonna tell you, you gotta do this and not tell you how. So I wanna quickly just take a moment and show you, if you'll put that slide up, this is just a handful of what we have going on 
here in Starkville of opportunities. This doesn't even cover all the Bible classes. We have nursery where there is, there's always people, and I'm not up here begging you saying, oh God, we need help. That's not the goal. This is providing opportunities if God is speaking to you and you want a place to plug in and to serve. And maybe you're already serving and we're thankful for you. But if you're here today and you don't get to serve and you're saying, hey, God is kind of speaking to me and I want to plug in somewhere. Here are some areas where you can plug in where you can get involved of what's happening here and unlock some of the blessings of what God is wanting to do that will happen through your serving. Maybe God's laid something on your heart that's not even on this list. This is a place for you. Talk to us. When we dismiss what I've done, again, this is not your normal message. This is not your normal altar call. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here. I'm not gonna ask you to, to respond in that kind of way. But by all means, if you are here and, and you need prayer, we will be here to pray with you. We will meet you down here. But for today's message, I wanna challenge you. Are you willing to give yourself away? Which means I'm willing to serve others. I'm willing to serve God. I'm willing to serve with my income and resources. And if you're doing that, we're, thank God, praise God. Continue doing it. I hope you understand why you're doing it. It's not just to get, 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 get but God is going to bless you. It's just a response that happens. So what I've done is if you are interested and you see something on this list and you're like, hey, I just feel God is speaking to me and I wanna, I wanna plug in, I wanna do some of those things. I wanna do one of those things. I want to unlock the key of blessing in my life. What we have done is there are pieces of paper that are posted on both of the tables in the foyer. They're posted at the back door where you can sign up for different ministry opportunities. But also if you're digital, you can go to the church website, startfullcog.com and scroll down and you will see a place where you can put your name. You can mark which ministry maybe you're interested in being involved with. And then we can follow up with you. We wanna provide opportunities for you to serve. And again, this message is not to manipulate you. It is not to guilt you. It is simply just to say, hey, we want you to unlock the blessings God has for you. Here's the how. I don't want to just tell you and then give you nothing and you'd be like, uh, what do I do now? This is the next step. This is what you do. And then I also want to encourage you to plug into Bible studies. We have amazing Bible studies taking place at our midweek service. We have amazing Sunday schools that are taking place on Sunday mornings. There's a place for everyone to plug in and we want you to plug in because when you plug in, not only do you grow in your own faith, but you begin to build relationship with other believers around you. And that's important for us. So finally, here's what we're going to do. If God has spoken to you about the, the giving thing, there's, there's boxes in the back. That's not what I'm asking for. You take care of that on your own. That's you and God. But what I wanna ask is, would you be willing to give yourself away so that he can use you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.